This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you. Y'all, buckle up. Buckle up because we have a doozy of an episode. We're going through so much today. We're we're taking this all over the place. We truly touch on everything from YouTube stars to TV stars to, of course, Maddie and Taylor. And there's just so much to go over. And honestly, I think we need to start this with a little bit of a trigger warning because our first discussion topic today is Colleen Ballinger, who most people know as Miranda Sings from YouTube. And there's been a lot of allegations going on about her abusing her power with her fans who are majority minors. And so as per usual, we're going to be putting timestamps on our Instagram story. So we'll also put like a little bit of a trigger warning there just because we're talking about inappropriate fan artist relationships. And for some people that might be a little bit difficult to listen yeah. to. We are also talking about Tyler James Williams and his recent statement regarding the LGBTQ community, speculating about gender and sexuality, and honestly him being like a pretty good ally. And of course, we are getting in maybe, maybe for the final week. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood for the final week. We are talking about Taylor Maddie. <laughs> You guys may or may not know, Maddie Healy Taylor Swift allegedly broke up. <laughs> allegedly oh. was never that serious. Allegedly but was our, never that serious. <laughs> but our conversation about it sort of focuses a bit more on what we should expect from the media and fans in response to celebrity relationships and like if it is acceptable for us to be caring as much as we do. Yeah. Is it acceptable for this to be ruining our lives for like five weeks straight? I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. Jury's still out. As always, timestamps in our stories. And with that, let's get into some fangirl nonsense. Sarah, please take it away. I mean, TikTok is trying to kill me, I think, because all it is serving me on a silver platter is Louis interchanging big top, small pants, and (laughs) (laughs) big pants, small top. Oh my god. (laughs) He's just like us for real. literally is he's just like the girlies <laughs> and it's so funny Louis in his hot girl summer era he really is and it's so funny too because jenna made this like really funny edit about my meltdowns about louis lack of fashion sense even though i do know that like his like sporty spice era is like his thing and he's like has a lot of purpose behind it or whatever but like she made a silly little edit and people on tiktok are like you really don't understand him you don't know him and i'm and then like, they were like he's hot no matter what he wears and i'm like yes that's literally the point of this video but also somebody was like not everybody needs to dress like harry styles and i'm like i don't want everybody to dress like harry styles i'm like there are many a men who harry wear styles wears tiny- <laughs> harry styles wears a tiny top and tiny pants okay difference yeah. <laughs> My number one TikTok crush is always wearing a tiny top and big pants. And he looks so much like he does it better than Louie. Like, Louie, go follow Wildlin on TikTok. <laughs> Plug if you know Wildlin. Um, <laughs> maybe comment him. <laughs> comment him to recognize Sarah on TikTok. 
<laughs> comment at him to recognize Sarah. I mean, like, there's boys doing it well, and unfortunately, I don't personally think Louis doing it well, but am I feral for it every time I see it? Of course I am. <laughs> Speaking of feral, you pronounce that this is feral fangirl summer, and as you just <laughs> said, is. like, if we're being real, probably what we're going to be coming on here to talk about fangirl nonsense every single week this summer is just Harry, Louis, and my K-pop boys on repeat. All summer, if we're being real. If we're being real, it is feral fangirl summer. Harry's out here just like (laughs) chest out constantly yelling about everything. His hitties are out. He's losing his mind. I don't know if anybody saw the video of somebody throwing like a plush rat on the stage. (laughs) Harry was yelling at everybody. Dude, Harry's been funny on stage. Harry's been funny for real. He's been so funny. And, but also, honestly, like, I've been seeing some incredibly wholesome content of, like, fans bumping into Harry in Amsterdam because <gasps> Amsterdam is point two so miles small. big, apparently. <laughs> like, we were there, and I, like, yeah, was no. like, oh, this is so small. But I was like, it must be bigger than this. When like, we went. to be more. Yeah, when we went, we, like, did everything in one day, and we were like, wait, this is it? Like, this is it? And it makes so much sense how everyone's running into him because it's so tiny. And it's just so wholesome, though, because they're, like... So, like, we just want to say hi. Like, don't go that way. There's too many people. <laughs> it's just like, like oh, it's so thanks. cute. And he's like, thank you. Can we not take photos? But thank you. <laughs> oh, my like, God. But, but it's like, also, like, nobody's with him ever. Like, sometimes his trainer's with him. But, like, most of the time, nobody is. And I'm like, why is nobody just, like, lurking in the shadows, protecting this man? Like, I know assassinations don't happen like they used to. But, like, let's be real. Like, someone should be protecting this man. If we're talking about Louis for a minute, I did see this creator on TikTok at Emma Rose Jean One, who also talks is really funny because I actually saw their content because they discovered Stray Kids. And whenever somebody new discovers a K-pop artist, fans latch onto that shit because everyone wants the feeling of, like, rediscovering their favorite artist for the first time and i think that's why like first time reactions people go crazy for anyways Mm -hmm. turns out this person is also a big louis fan went and saw louis in concert and they were like very close to barricade so they're like describing their experience of like when louis comes down into the crowd and my favorite thing about that video i watched this whole like two minute video my favorite thing was just like they were like i don't know what happened i was touching i i was definitely touching like his shoulder i don't i don't know what's happening i didn't choke him i know that for a fact It's like, but girl, he's into that. (laughs) He would have loved every second of it. Oh my God. His fans know, man. I just like, I can't. And I mean, like, it feels really not great also to like have a little bit of a Maddie Healy fangirl moment (laughs) after everything. But this man, I'm I'm worried about this man. And we'll get more into this later. But he's, he's on, like, he's on one right now. Well, we're getting into it a little bit now for being for real. So yeah, so 1975 started their tour in Europe. And so we've been like slowly getting some videos like this just literally just started like a few nights ago. So there's been a few nights of tour. We've seen kind of him giving some speeches. I agree. We're having some fangirl feelings about him. But my favorite thing about this week is that one of our friends from the podcast, Kin, had been messaging me on Instagram being like, I'm seeing 1975 tonight in Dublin. And Caroline Polachek just dropped out as the opener because she's sick. And now they're saying that Maddie Solo is opening for the 1975. And so we're all like, 
what's gonna like is this for real what's gonna happen like what is going on and then ken goes to the show and proceeds to live message me this was so funny i was like lose i was like at work texting like losing my mind but also like they were like at like some kind of like outdoor they were at an outdoor venue so it's like the sun hasn't gone down it's still like sunny out and maddie's just like on stage by himself being like a sad boy like literally and so ken messages and is like he just spray painted a big poster that says sorry and now he's playing the piano in a sad boy mode Ken says he's pissed drunk, like forgetting the songs. One eye half shut drunk. I don't think he is like, it's all haha, hee hee, TikTok man. But he seems genuinely unwell, not meta art unwell. And then sends a video and says he's spilling beer around and stuff. I genuinely don't know if this is a bit or if we're witnessing this man deteriorating and we're all clapping. He just downed a pint of Guinness. Girl, I don't think this is art. <laughs> but this is the problem, and this is what the problem's been for the last six months is nobody knows anymore. The fourth wall is completely gone. We're he in the fifth it. dimension. We're yeah, in the alternate like no, universe. Yeah, <laughs> We're in the age like of Aquarius anymore. And it's like, it's honestly a little bit scary just based off of like the videos the of art. him. He did seem genuinely like very drunk. In other news, my interaction with Yeonjun <laughs> from TXT in which he is aggressively thrusting his hips in during a very sentimental moment is doing wild numbers on the internet. And it's so funny because nobody knows it was me. (laughs) Um, Because I don't have like a POV video from like my section or anyone who was like near me or like caught me doing part of the interaction. And I thought I was going to like go online and like make an explainer video. But then people would probably just be like, you're lying. You're making this up. And so then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? It's just a secret between me and Bestie. It's just a secret between <laughs> me and Bestie. Um, and every time I scroll on TikTok and see a new edit of this video, I die. I just die. Oh I die inside, but like in a happy, good way. Because I know the secret. <laughs> and now so all funny. of you guys do too. <laughs> so with all that fun and games out of the way, we're going to go straight into a depressing Some drama. Some deep shit. <laughs> Some deep shit. So guys, take a mental pause, prepare yourself because we have a lot to get through today. I will just say, one of my friends, Rocio, messaged me specifically being like, you should talk about this on the podcast. And lately y'all have been DMing us like articles and news that's dropping and then like to be like, did you guys see this? Or like, talk about this. And we love it. We love every second of it. You're reading our minds. We're speaking the same <laughs> language, but gotta say, did get sent this story and we were planning to talk about it already. I love when that happens, but I do not love when shit like this happens. So my TikTok for you page, for some reason, blasted me into the year like 2010, 2011, about two and a half days ago with people talking about Colleen Ballinger, who is mostly known for her Miranda Sings character on YouTube. And she was like a really big deal. I think it was in the early mid 2010s. I don't know exactly. And so basically what had happened is that this content creator called Adam McIntyre came onto TikTok to talk about their alleged inappropriate relationship with Colleen throughout the years because Colleen began a friendship with Adam, who was a fan of hers, when he was only 13 years old. And now he's 20. And he had talked about it before in 2020, where he made a YouTube video making allegations against Colleen and saying how she had essentially like taken advantage of him just like over the internet because he was a young impressionable fan and like kind of willing to go above and beyond for her and 
there was so much backlash against him that he kind of like took a step back from the internet for a while. And recently, like a couple days ago, another creator who was also like a very big fan of Colleen's made a YouTube video saying that she had to come clean about the fact that Colleen had essentially asked her to make videos saying that she did not believe Adam. And so because of that, this spurred on a lot of discourse around what had happened with Adam making another YouTube video with like a ton of screen grab receipts from messages between him and Colleen and this like Twitter DM group that they had called Colleen's Weenies, which was like him and a bunch of other underage fans and Colleen and they would like discuss her videos and just like chat about real life and he even went on to share that she like allegedly talked about going through her divorce with them and like would ask like relative like pretty inappropriate questions in this chat to these teenagers and so there's just been a lot coming out and in regards to this like we felt like it was important to kind of discuss how in every sector of like fame we have these situations where people even the person who is like relatively famous doesn't really understand how to interact with fans and I feel like this especially happens like we've talked about before on the podcast in genres like pop punk where the artists never become like real world famous and like in with social media influencers and youtubers like we've seen this with James Charles and now we're seeing these allegations come out against Colleen where it's like these people who are famous to a certain extent, but I feel like as they were getting famous, they're like, oh, we can have like camaraderie with our fans. And I feel like that really blurs a line and people don't know how to act. And then it becomes inappropriate very quickly. I feel like also the groups of people that you're describing personally, I feel like these are people who like kind of really want to be famous, like fame is something that they strive for. And so mm-hmm. it feels like when they have like some semblance of it, they're like holding on to it so tightly that they're almost like in a way, and I can't say that all these people are necessarily doing this consciously, but like in a way manipulating these fans to continue to be fans of them because they want to hold on to this piece of yeah. fame is what it feels like. I definitely see your point and where you're coming from from that because I think also this sort of fan to creator relationship where it's like oh like there's like this group of fans that like they talk about in their videos or they talk about like on tour whatever the situation is where it's like other fans are aware that there is like this hierarchy of fans that (laughs) have access and because of and because but like and because of that other fans are striving and trying to figure out like what they can do to be welcomed into that group. And I feel like when I was growing up, like there was very much like this thing where it was like, Oh, like these are like the quote unquote, like safe fans where like when there were like the crazy fans doing crazy things, like you were the group of fans like in that city that like the artist would like kind of look at to be like, Oh, like come save me because this is fucking crazy. Like what you're describing right now is crazy because if, Imagine Harry Styles had a DM group with 10 fans. <laughs> yeah. With only 10 fans. And yeah. like this is so ins- no like this is legitimately so insane right now. Like I'm having a bre- I'm having a breakdown because it's like what the, what you're describing of like the safe fans versus the crazy fans yeah. is putting responsibility of the artist back onto the fan and making yeah. it not a parasocial relationship anymore, making it very much a two-way relationship. Yeah, exactly. But then when it gets too much and like those fans expect too much, 
the artist turns back on them and is like, oh, like, no, like, this isn't, like, I'm, this you're is, not. Yeah, this is me. Like, like you're, you're just a like, fan. Then yeah, they like, go we're and not, push we're, we're not friends like that. And they'll, yeah, like, try and yeah. push distance or, Whoa. like, any time that the fans, like, try and hold that person accountable for, like, weird behavior or anything like that. The creator, the artist, whomever it is, kind of, like, takes a step back and, like, kind of gaslights them in a way. Yeah. And, like, I think that definitely, like, with, like, touring artists, there's, like, definitely, like, those factions where I said it's, like, there's, like, that group of safe fans and then there's like a caliber above them which is like the group that like gets to go out and hang out with them afterwards and like the safe fans are always trying to get to that level and like the crazy fans are always trying to get to the safe fan level and it's just like it's really like it's like a pyramid scheme (laughs) please you're like straight up doing some hardcore therapizing of like our teenage hoods like we have both had like direct experiences like this in like emo warp tour bubbles i mean it took me years to like have this thought i don't like i've had it before but you know but 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 like when i was seeing all this discourse and like what adam was talking about with this twitter group and how there were like these other fans who were who colleen reached out to separately to be like adam's lying you know i would never do this it's like i very much felt like oh i know one or two artists who were on warp tour who probably would have done similar things that they had gone into hot and water did and probably did <laughs> what have and did and so it's just really interesting because i think that like especially when it comes to female artists and creators like there's less expectation of danger because mm, like women yeah, as yeah. a like as a gender are like always expected to be like safer and like yeah. less scary and i feel yeah. like a lot of times even when it comes to parents they feel more comfortable letting their teens interact with like female yeah. content creators yeah. etc online yeah. because it's like oh like it's just a silly little girl you know whatever the case is you know But the thing that I always personally didn't like about Colleen is that her character, Miranda Sings, I never understood, like, what... The appeal was? Like, what? yeah, what the appeal was. Because this character, I could never understand, like, if she was playing a kid or a teenager or if she was playing an adult. I could never understand, like, who this was for because the content would be very, like, adult comedy but also feel very directed to kids because, like... The whole, like, room that she filmed in was, like, plastered with, like, kid and teen fan art of, like, Miranda Sings. And, like, the stuff she would talk about would kind of be, like, the way that kids would feel about, like, ew, kissing, gross, disgusting, that's porn. That was, like, the comedy there. But it's also, like, a kid doesn't know what porn is. Yeah. And she would be bringing these, like, adult topics into things. So, basically, like, I found this Twitter thread that was showing, like, a lot of things that Colleen had done that felt very predatory especially looking back now with like these ex fans, like adult minds now. And there was one video of her with her ex-husband where it was like, Oh, like we practice kissing and it was practicing kissing on a hairbrush and her husband puts it in his mouth. And I was like, that's really phallic. And then he like gags on it, which again, my adult brain. And then he takes it out and he goes, can I at least remove the hair? And her response to this was no, it makes it more realistic. And I'm Ew. like, this says teaching you how to kiss, not teaching you how to give head. Ew. But okay. This is and gross. It just, it, yeah, it just felt so gross because it's like, this was content that majority, like clearly based off the fact that Adam and the other people in that Twitter DM group were like 13 to like 16. Like these are like preteen teenagers who are watching this content. 
And like Colleen goes on tour as Miranda sings. And like some of these videos that they were showing were like, they would have fans come up on stage and they'd be like preteen teenage girls who were like recently developed wearing like a sundress or like a tank top and shorts. And there would also be a fan like dressed in like Miranda cosplay. And she'd be like, this girl's dressed like a porn star or like, this is porn, disgusting. And it's like the teens laughing along then, but it's like, I just imagine personally like going home and like knowing me and like my reaction to going through puberty, which was like, get these shit off of my body now i would have just like locked myself in my room for weeks if like my favorite youtuber said that like me wearing a dress was porn yeah i would have just felt like oh my god like i cannot be seen like my body cannot be respected number one degrading bullying and like abuse like sexual abuse all in one thing is that like adam like had posted his original video in like 2020 and literally got like shamed hate crimed off the internet and like again now is reposting it because somebody else came forward with like allegations but it's like the allegations are like not very allegation-y because there's like direct evidence of like all of this stuff including the stuff sarah's talking about where like she did all of this stuff on tour in front of a live audience in front of people of all ages like it's pretty hard to dispute and like the fact that this went on for so long and i think yeah. part of it is the fact that like the audience the demographic is so young and so like in general they don't know any better and so she was able to get away with it for longer and i think also though like when for so long you've essentially trained your audience to be accepting of this these kind of jokes in the videos like when somebody's coming out and saying that like oh they were making these jokes privately they're like oh like that's just Miranda and it's like no this is like Colleen as a real person in the DMs having this conversation like this isn't her character yeah yeah and like the thing that I found really interesting was in this article written for the tab by Georgia Mooney highlighting like what had happened over these years she mentioned how colleen three years ago made a video on her youtube channel called addressing things because there had been some resurfaced videos from like a decade earlier where she was like mocking latina stereotypes and making fat phobic content comments and also a really disturbing video about her talking about the death of her dog and so basically like also one of the allegations that adam made was that colleen had sent him underwear in the mail based off of like a youtube video and there was like video evidence of her like messaging adam to like see if he wants this whatever and like in her video she like took full responsibility for it It was like oh like it wasn't seedy or malicious like there were no like bad motives behind this Um, And that was supposed to be a joke. And she said in the video, no, I should have never sent a fan underwear. How stupid am I? No, I should have never given him access to my Twitter account because Adam also like ran her Twitter. And she goes, and no, I shouldn't have talked to him as often as I did. And she also called on fans like in this video to like be respectful of their criticism, but like also weren't like, don't attack this boy for like saying these things. But she also said in the video, I am not a monster. I'm not a groomer and I shouldn't kill myself. Be careful with the words you choose to use. And I think again, like Jenna said, it's like when your audience is so impressionable, it's like when you're directly speaking to them, which is like the whole appeal of a lot of YouTubers and you're saying these things, they're just automatically going to believe you. Yeah. Because they're so young and impressionable, they don't know any better. And they trust you. Yeah, exactly. And there's trust there. And that's also like how she was able to like have these DM conversations and all that stuff. I like have chills right now. This is so upsetting on so many levels. Like, he was a teenager. He was a boy. 
And this is an adult yeah. woman who was like her late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. And it's just like incredibly inappropriate. And for her to kind of like brush it off like that and then just kind of continue on with her YouTube career as if like it didn't really happen. And then also like recently with people discussing this again, fans have basically been saying on, t- on Twitter that like they're getting blocked on TikTok and they've been like showing screen grab receipts that they're blocked by Colleen because they've made some sort of comment about what's been going on. It's just interesting that it's like Adam posted about this three years ago and he was essentially silenced and now for some reason it's the right time for this conversation to be brought up again and like taken seriously i do also think that it was interesting one of the things that he detailed was like colleen literally gave him access to her twitter account and told him to go crazy with it and tweet whatever he wanted and then she would like approve the tweets before he sent them and there was one where it was essentially kind of like people took it to be queer baiting of like i have an announcement and it was like her in front of like a pride flag and then like a video dropped and she was just like i a secret i'm a fan of megan trainer and then everyone got super mad about like queer baiting and like he had written the tweet but she approved it and then she basically like gaslit him to being like you don't have permission to do these things like how dare you tweet on like my behalf like all this stuff when like she approved it and so i think like any claims that like this was just a character like it was never just a character like this was a personification of the types of person that she already is yeah and like the comedy that she thinks is funny that like is borderline pedophilic and i feel like with like conversations we've had in the past and we do have like a couple of episodes about like just predators like in music and how they got away with that behavior and how a lot of people didn't realize what had been happening until later in life and like why there were artists who like got canceled like a decade later i just think that it's important to remember that like this can happen in every industry that there is like that level of access to an artist or talent and just because like somebody comes off online as like oh like this is for kids or like oh this is for xyz whatever the case is like every excuse you can come up with of like why it's okay for like you to be communicating with somebody that's like a lot older than you or like your kids to be communicating with somebody a lot older than you it's like you don't want to assume the worst but I feel like sometimes especially with like how much access people can have now with the internet like the smartest thing is to assume the worst big agree in other less troubling and more wholesome news (laughs) we have Tyler James Williams who's starring in Abbott Elementary And you might also remember him from Everybody Hates Chris. He has addressed his sexuality and why speculating about it may be sending a dangerous message. So over the years, obviously he's been acting, he's been in the limelight for a long time. Over the years, people have speculated about his sexuality. Maybe because it's Pride Month, he took to his Instagram story on June 4th and honestly shared a really heartfelt and thought-provoking message. So he writes, usually I wouldn't address stuff like this, but it, as a conversation, is bigger than me. I'm not gay, but I think the culture of trying to find some kind of hidden trait or behavior that a closed person let slip is very dangerous. Overanalyzing someone's behavior in an attempt to catch them directly contributes to anxiety a lot of queer and queer-questioning people feel when they fear living in their truth. It makes the most pedestrian of conversations and interactions in spaces feel less safe for our gay brothers and sisters and those who may be questioning. It also reinforces an archetype many straight men have to live under that is oftentimes unrealistic, less free, and limits individual expressing. He then goes on to say that he's been using his platform to push back against those archetypes. And he notes that 
being straight doesn't look one way. Being gay doesn't look one way. And what may seem like harmless fun and conversation may actually be sending a dangerous message to those struggling with real issues. I refuse to inadvertently contribute to that message. Can I just say, can I just say this is maybe the most ally like (laughs) thing that a straight person could do, especially during Pride Month. Like this was such a big show of allyship of calling this out and like thinking thinking deeply about it and thinking critically and educatedly about it to be like actually what you're doing in trying to guess someone's sexuality is harmful because this is not a conversation that we see most celebrities talking about or willing to have yeah when i saw this i was thinking very much about the conversations that i've had with jenna and my other friends like privately about Louis Tomlinson and how his fans have created this like safe space for queer people at his shows, even though he has never once like commented about queerness, like made any vast showings of like allyship. He's never really done anything for this to have happened. But also, also important in this conversation to consider that he has spoken extensively about how he is straight. Yeah, because like there have been like every single time like any interviewer would ask him about like the Harry Styles of it all. He'd be like, I have a girlfriend like this isn't fair to her for you guys to keep asking me like if there is something going on with me and Harry, like it's made our friendship weird, etc. And yet his fans have created the space and he's allowed them to do that. Like he hasn't ever outwardly been like, no, I don't want this going on here, which like, yeah, I think yeah is in his own way like a form of allyship but there's no situation where he could ever win in regards to like speaking out about like like clarifying his sexuality or being like oh like i don't understand how fans came to this conclusion that like this is a safe queer space but i'm all for it but i feel like with this statement that tyler has made there does leave space for Louis to just be like, yeah, I don't really know how my fans came to this, but I feel very privileged that I am a safe space for them. And I feel like this leaves opportunity for the bigger conversation of like what allyship can look like and how just because you're outwardly being like, I don't know how you came to this conclusion because that's not me, but also like it wouldn't be a problem if I was, but it is a problem that like you guys are speculating to the extent that I felt like I needed to speak out. Yeah. And so I feel like in similar senses, like that could be a move that somebody like Louis or even Harry could do, because this is something that like we've also discussed with Harry, where there has been so much conversation about like him queer baiting because of the way that he dresses or like how much he just kind of like exudes acceptance of queerness, like on stage, like even recently at a show, he did like, he was literally like singing like, (laughs) Like, yeah, somebody like, threw a gay pride we're flag coming on. Out. Like, oh, <laughs> like, it's a pride flag. Like, now everybody's gay. When I, like, pull this in the air, like, pull it over you, like, we're all coming out. I was like, Harry, you're n- you're never beating the queer allegations. You're never beating them. Even like, though, you- even though at the, at the bottom line, that was allyship. At the yeah. bare minimum, that was allyship, period. Like, that does not mean he's, like, part of the queer community. But I think that, like, this statement from Tyler could be something that like is studied by other celebrities and like PR and management teams of like how like PR management's clients can like deal with these things going forward and how artists themselves like can look at this and be like okay he did this like really beautifully where he's like 
that's not me, but it's okay if it is you. But also like, this is why what you're doing is like making other people in the queer community feel unsafe. And I feel like I should speak up for them. It's really interesting because it's, it's literally profiling. And if you look at this from the the vision of the right wing, the Ku Klux Klan loves to do profiling, don't they? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it's so fucked. But if we're thinking about this in the sense of like fandom, finding a safe space within that fandom within an artist's art within an actor's Mm. art is totally valid and real and acceptable but then i think this conversation asks the question where is the line drawn into speculating and projecting that onto other people because essentially if we're playing this game of like are they gay are they gay are they queer are they trans that's why we have laws that are banning trans people from using restrooms in public because people yeah. are speculating and like literally people's rights are being stripped. So like this game of like, I think the thing is that we've talked about this extensively before. So much of Gen Z wants representation. And I think we're just at this point where we're grappling with what is that representation? Who is going to be that representation? Because historically the representation is not there. And I, I don't know. I think it's very interesting I think it's very interesting, but it's, I, it is dangerous because of literally what the Republicans are doing in legislation right now. And I feel like as we've discussed extensively in other episodes of the podcast, like it's completely normal and acceptable for people to crave representation. And that's why like in our fan fiction episodes, we talked about like how big of a deal like slash fic of between like two male characters was like for a lot of millennial teens growing up and even like now still like slash fic is still like a really big thing but it's like gotten to this point where it's not just staying in the fanfics it's like leaking into the real world where now people like kit connor feel forced to come out of the closet because they feel like there's no other option because the fans won't leave them alone until something happens And that puts people in these situations. And we have a whole Patreon episode about this um, as well of just like how like fans putting pressure on people to come out or like being like, we think you're queer. Like we feel like you're queer baiting because you did X, Y, Z and like essentially hate criming people like on the internet and them feeling pressured. Like they have to say something puts them in this like dangerous situation Where, like, it can put their life in danger depending on, like, what their family is like. It can put their career in danger because, like, let's be honest, like, Hollywood's still homophobic no matter, like, what we're going to think about it. Like, there's so many situations where it's, like, while it's not so much, like, people will get in trouble for, like, not hiring somebody for being something. But it's, like, you're so much more likely to be, like, typecast as an actor if they're just, like, oh, this is this is that gay guy. Or, like, oh, this is, like, that bisexual actor even if, like, that actor wasn't ready for the world to know like what they're doing and like I think also it's like this complicated thing where it's like nobody owes you the information of like what's going on in their bedroom but also like as public figures like there is information that like we're always going to have access to based off of the fact that like they need to do press and they're going to be going outside in public spaces and they're going to be photographed with people and so there's always going to be gossip and speculation but like when it gets to this point where the speculation is like you better tell us who you are like we're gonna stop supporting you as an artist or an actor or whatever the case is like that's where things get really dangerous and scary for people because it's kind of that thing where like sometimes people go so left that they wind up having conservative values and so it's that same thing where it's like oh like I need to know like what's going on like when you're in the bathroom because like I don't want trans women in the 
in the women's room. And it's kind of the same thing when like these when queer people on the internet are like, I don't want non-queer people playing my queer care, like playing queer characters. And it's like the whole point of acting is becoming somebody that you're not. And I think that in certain situations when it's like a trans character, like a character who's like hard of hearing or like has a disability or those sorts of things, like, yes, hire that person who like is trans or has that disability or is from that ethnic background. But I think also like it really would stifle creativity in a lot of ways if it's like oh like this character the actor must be bisexual to play a bisexual because that also would mean that bisexuals cannot play anything other than bisexual like how is that fair i do think it's interesting that just thinking of this conversation it felt like last summer there was a lot of discourse about Harry's sexuality mm-hmm. and now i'm not hearing a lot about it but i don't know if in, you are he's he's in europe and everybody <laughs> dresses no, but I'm being like, it sounds funny, but like he's in Europe and like European men are much more comfortable dressing more feminine <laughs> and doing that stuff. And I honestly think that the discourse was happening because Americans were there and Americans are always in everybody's fucking business. Ooh. Like that might be a hot take, Ooh. but I feel Let's like they're on here. I feel like they're a lot more comfortable with, with accepting that like that's just how men are. Ooh, mic drop. Okay, I think that's a good place to end this conversation. Honestly, big, 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 big props to Tyler James Williams for, like, saying this. Um, as we mentioned, I think the conclusion here is that, like, this could be a really great response for a lot of celebrities who, like, actually yeah. want to be a fucking ally because, like, yeah. this is a great show of allyship and not just pretending, like, I love the gays and that being the end of the conversation. And um, speaking of somebody saying, I love the gays and that being the end of the conversation, <laughs> it's time to talk about Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> so much. <laughs> and while we are not going to be f- deeply discussing her weird attempts at a Pride Month speech that she did, I will say it was a fucking weird attempt at a Pride Month speech and being like, ah, oh, yes, my gay anthem, you need to calm down really did something was like a fucking weird thing to say and then her also being like and how outspoken i am on my social media about elections no this girl where are the receipts okay look guys (laughs) we don't have time to get into everything as you know we've been posting extensively on tiktok about this we've been posting a little bit on our instagram as well what we're here today to talk about (laughs) is The trauma that we've all collectively been put through for the past five weeks. And we've been having a big giant menti bee this week (laughs) over the fact that they decided to end their situationship very publicly. 
and put us all through hell for weeks on end. Yeah, because as the source told people, quote, it was always casual. (laughs) (laughs) They were just having a silly, goofy time together. They were just having a silly, goofy time. And I just think that that's really genuinely hilarious. Like, they were never exclusive. They were never boyfriend, girlfriend. They were always just having fun. They were always just holding hands, being seen in public. And, like, I know, I understand. It's, like, this isn't the first time that Taylor's had, like, a short little fling in public. Like, I mean, she was with Harry for only a couple of months. She was with Tom Hiddleston for only a couple of months. This is, I think, the shortest fling we've ever experienced. But also, it's, like, as we know, everything Taylor does is, like, very methodical, very thought out. And I just feel like making Maddie Healy so public for like what they knew was just a silly goofy time was like completely unnecessary. I'm just like trying to process of like where to even begin because this is so, 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 so deeply layered as you guys have been listening along, you know how so deeply layered this is. I do agree that like if this was just a situationship and they were like trying it out, it didn't have to be public. So like why make it public? Basically like the main discussion that we want to have right now is the fact of the matter that like a lot of response from Swifties who didn't turn their back on Taylor throughout all of this is like, Taylor's asked us to mind our own business and like not pay attention to our relationships and you guys never stop. And like that thing where it's like, okay, then Taylor should maybe stop writing love songs and asking us to decipher them and figure these things out. But also it's like when she is in New York, which has tons of paparazzi in it and she's like, gallivanting around with a famous man who the internet has tried to cancel multiple times over his decade-long career who also his fans are like wait he's famous enough to be seen with taylor swift like what the fuck is this like there were so many thoughts and feelings going into their connection with each other that like choosing to like publicly gallivant with him for five weeks just for a silly goofy time felt like very aggressive when they could have very easily like passed off them spending time together as like them just recording but they had to be seen like holding hands and like him going to her shows and like this extra step where it felt like he was on tour for her for a week and a half and all this stuff where it's like my thoughts on taylor swift the businesswoman who like methodically thinks of everything like if i was taylor And I wanted to have a silly, goofy time with a problematic man. I would just make everybody think I was just making music with him. Nobody would ever see me touch that man more than platonically in public, like personally. That's how I would handle that. So the main questions that I'm interested in discussing today are what role does the media play in influencing these relationships? Because historically on this podcast, we talk about how the media influences relationships. Also, what role do we as consumers and as fans have in debating these relationships? Because I think that's a lot of like, honestly, some of the criticisms that we got in our comments, as well as the levels of celebritydom, with Miss Swift being one of the most famous people on this planet, to the degree that I, I honestly feel a little bad for her. In the respects that most of her life, she's been this famous. Like, she's grown up being such an A-list celebrity. She's had a team around her since she was a teenager, helping her deal with all these things. A lot of the reasons why her image is so protected, because she was a teenager when she came into the spotlight. Maddie, while, like, he, like, is a, quote-unquote, is a Nepo baby, came from 
England. Like the level of his fame, he's famous to a niche group of people, a niche group of people. And that exclusively being 1975 fans, anyone will recognize Taylor Swift. Most people wouldn't recognize Maddie on the street. So his level of fame is like nowhere, 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 nowhere near the scale of being under the microscope that Taylor Swift is under. And it does feel like, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it feels like with the recent tour that they've been doing in Europe, he's been giving some speeches like during these shows. It feels like he he's apologized multiple times during these shows. It feels like he's very regretful. It feels like he's thinking deeply about things. He's talking about liberalism on stage. He's talking, he's ranting about Andrew Tate on stage again, but like in a helpful way and not an idiotic way. And it feels like the reason Sarah and I earlier said that we were like maybe kind of concerned for him is that we feel like maybe he flew a little too close to the sun in the regards that he's never been under the microscope that Taylor Swift has to live under every single day. Yeah, and I think also it's like, there's been a lot of comments about like, oh, like they've known each other for so long, blah, blah, whatever. It's like they were connected to each other in like 2013, 2014. It's like while Taylor Swift was like super, super famous then, it was like a little bit different because she also was like young and like a career can crash and burn at any point at that point in time in her career, really, because it was still like, relative like only a couple years years after the whole Kanye uh interruption situation so there's still potential for like who knows what's gonna happen with her career you know but also like in between that moment where they were photographed together and now like Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy's names were like not really in sentences together for most people and so like people are like oh like they've been friends all this time it's like have they been I don't know but also it's like if somebody is like your text friend or like somebody who's like Instagram stories you respond to or whatever like that's a whole different situation what then like being closely actions being scrutinized yeah being yeah being closely connected to them because like you're actually actively with them all the time because it's like I have I have friends online who are like niche famous to like some extent and it's like if I was actively hanging out with them in person like I don't know if I'd be able to deal with like being on their Instagram stories and like people being like who is this in your Instagram stories like I know it's like a completely different level of fame but it's like I don't have a problem like texting my friend but I feel like I would feel a little bit uncomfortable being perceived by their niche internet fan base because it's like you can't control your image you know like you can't control your image when somebody who is from a different sector of the internet than you with like their little fan base like their fan base like acknowledging you as like their friend and then like going and looking online and like judging you based off of like their preconceived idea of who that person is and who you are based on your online presence and like all this stuff and i feel like a similar thing happened to maddie but like at an extreme extent you know the most extreme extent yeah exactly and so it has just been really interesting because also as i said earlier like there has been so much discourse from taylor swift fans or even just like random people on the internet with opinions being like why do we care so much about like who she's dating or like why do we pay so much attention to who celebrities are dating like this isn't our business they're just existing whatever the case is and I think like we talked about the other week of like the social contract that like artists sign with their fans and like their expectation like fans expectations of them based off of previous behavior there's also like to some extent like a contract that people who want to be famous sign with the idea of fame and like what that will mean for them if they do get that fame someday because every level of famous 
like whether that be like niche internet famous like niche world famous and then like a-list celebrities whatever like there's so many different levels of fame like we talked with colleen like fans go into that with some sort of expectation of like what you're going to give them and the world also does because like even with like youtubers and like that sort of level of fame like there are specific sites that like still that cover those sorts of people because like for example like j14 or tiger beat or like 17 magazine it's like their readers like that's who's most famous to them rather than somebody like jennifer lawrence or whatever like they're most interested in like these like zoella types like i'm talking like back in the day sort of situation you know so in that regard it's like when these artists and these people like sign this contract with fame like this imaginary contract what they're agreeing to is like yes i want to not have to work a normal nine to five job i don't want to have to like become a stockbroker or like work at a starbucks i want to be famous and make money off of my talent and in signing this contract they're agreeing to the world paying attention to them to some level like whether that's like 15 percent of the world or 50 percent of the world or 100 percent of the world they're agreeing to like whatever the fame gods want to give them they're willing to like agree to like that part of the world paying 100 percent attention to them and being like yes i'm okay with becoming a public figure And so when there is like all this anger from people online being like, why don't you just leave them alone? It's like you telling people like, why don't you just leave them alone? Like you are also clearly paying attention if you're enraged by this. And so it's like, it's not as if you're not digesting that media as well. And you're not better than other people because you have a, like a negative viewpoint of this because you're still reading those articles. You're still taking part in this you just don't like it also a lot of this comes down to being seen in the public space yeah of like maddie and taylor were seen in public spaces and that is up for public discussion yeah taylor clearly knows how to have a relationship in private beyonce knows how to live her life in private and the unfortunate thing is that that's what comes with fame is that if you want a private life, you purposely have to make it very private. But I do think that if they're going to the lengths of being seen in public, Maddie being seen at Taylor's concerts, I think it's up for discussion. And I also have been thinking a lot about, I mentioned this briefly last week in one of the articles that we read, I think it was a Teen Vogue article about how Taylor Swift from day one has created this fairy tale narrative about falling in love. Her whole identity is built around love and relationships relationships with her essentially lover she has a whole album called lover i mean like but like teardrops on my guitar like the white horse like baby just say yes all of this from day one was her positioning herself as someone who talks about relationships and like to the point this is my criticism to the point that sometimes it feels like her personality is having a relationship and over the years she has continued this narrative of her intimate relationships being the subject of her songs. Yeah. To the point that fans know this. Fans know who she's dated. Fans know what songs are about what people, whether or not she even includes their names because she never does. She always mm-hmm. includes details about that person that fans know who it is. So her whole career, she's been breadcrumbing fans and essentially training fans to feel that her real life relationships are part of the Taylor Swift experience. So when she has this publicly seen relationship how are you gonna tell me that this is not up for our debate 
when she's literally trained her fans and the general public for us to consider her relationships in her art. I think that that's a really good and important point because also like at the beginning of Taylor's career, she would openly talk about like the relationship she was in and like talk about those songs on talk shows and stuff. And like, as she got more famous and started realizing like, Oh, like, People are running narratives that like aren't necessarily true. It's like she was openly like on the Ellen show talking about how Joe Jonas broke up with her with like a seven second phone call, like making jokes about this. And it's like it got to this point where she was like, oh, like I'm saying too much. I need to dial it back. And yet she was still writing these songs, which like, of course, she can write those songs. I'm not policing what Taylor Swift writes her songs about. Like, that's her life. That's her. That's her art. That's her music. Like, you do you, girl. But Also, like, her fans love the fact that she does, like, breadcrumbs and leaves clues and, like, that they're around, like, deciphering these songs and who they can be about. And honestly, like, that's what a lot of, like, the gaylerness also has gone to is that fans are so used to Taylor leaving clues in songs to the extent that they're like, well, these songs are clearly queer and about, like, Diana Agron or about Carly Kloss or whatever the case is because Taylor has trained her fans to look for clues in her music to figure out who she's writing these love songs about. And so it goes to this like deeper visceral level of like, who am I singing about? What's this about? And those same fans who are like deciphering those songs, trying to figure out who these love songs are about are also the same fans who are in the comments being like, Taylor publicly has asked us to leave her alone about her relationships and been like, oh, I don't like that people like act like I'm always dating and like slut shaming me and like all this stuff. It's like, I'm not slut shaming her for dating around. If anything, when the news broke about Maddie Healy, I was like, they're just fucking. They're just having some fun. And people were like, don't say that. Like, why would you say that? And it's like, because Maddie Healy is the man you just fuck. Okay, to be honest, I don't have the receipts in front of me, whether or not like what Taylor has specifically said or asked of fans, because we talk about this Mm -hmm. with Louis. We talk about Louis literally asked fans to stop speculating about his relationships and fans did not respect that. And we said that Louis had every right to ask that. I do not have the receipts as to whether or not Taylor Swift verbally, specifically asked fans not to speculate. We do know that she had a very private, very long relationship with Joe Alwyn. But again, if she wants to have a private relationship, she knows how to do that. Everything about her relationship with Maddie was not private. Yeah. And I think like this is the thing. It's like she's allowed to have public flings like I'm not saying she's not but I think that it is ridiculous for people to expect there to not be discourse and there not to be conversation around it and this is the thing too is it's like people think that tabloid sites and these magazines and stuff that they are complete leeches and there are certain sites like the mirror or the daily mail or the uk sun that are primarily leeches and tabloids and just like saying shit to say shit and then there are sites like people or us weekly or honestly like going into like Rolling Stone and the New York Times and all these other publications that like do report on news meaning like they've been reporting on Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift all this stuff but also like they have symbiotic relationships with these celebrities and celebrities wouldn't be able to be the level of celebrity they are if they weren't covered so heavily by these publications whether it be the ones they want to be covered by or not and so at the end of the day it's like People can be like, oh, like, we don't we don't need these publications, like these publications talking about their relationships, speculating about their relationships, whatever, like they're doing horrible things. And it's like, okay, yes, like we've talked ad nauseum about tabloid culture and about the way magazines write features about women versus how they write them about men and like 
all these sorts of things. Like there definitely are very toxic behaviors that happen within media, like a hundred percent. But also at the end of the day, without media, there'd be no celebrity. And without celebrity, there'd be no media Mm. because films and music would still be made. But like, how would people find out about them? How would people know who like anything? Yeah, I think also the and like what we've done, like when we've dissected these scenarios on our podcast before of the media painting harmful narratives if any if anything the harmful narratives were painted about maddie healy yeah i think that throughout the week over the course of the past few weeks what we're really trying to get at here is that the criticisms of taylor swift have always been fair criticisms it took her dating maddie healy for people to understand that and digest that if anything the way that taylor was painted negatively was that they were like how can you give up your morals for this seemingly immoral man that was the criticism it was never a hate campaign against taylor it was never misogyny it was never taylor stupid and i think that's the difference between things that we've called out in the past or like publications straight up being like racist when it's like fka twigs or like Meghan markle things like that where it's like no that was bigotry like that was fair of being called out with taylor like i'm just trying to think of like the general narrative because honestly it feels like everything we've been discussing i mentioned this last week everything we've been discussing a lot of the narrative is coming from tiktok more so than it's coming from the media and so i think like the op-eds that we got to last week those more so were debating like the criticisms of taylor is it fair for fans to be weighing in on this like what does this say about maddie what does this say about taylor it was never really about the relationship in the grand scheme of things like compared to other times when people have made comments about taylor's relationship the Taylor and Maddie discourse was so much less about like, ooh, look at Taylor dating another man. And it was more so like, as we already discussed, like, Maddie, yes, Maddie Healy is problematic. Is Maddie Healy an unequivocally bad person? No, he's a flawed human being. And like, we did a whole episode about this. We did whole episodes about Maddie in the 1975 and like their goodness and their badness when we started the podcast. We did episodes about Taylor Swift and how like the media and the world sometimes have been like, oh, there's this victim narrative around her. Like, is that warranted? You know, like we've had these conversations before. And now with Taylor dating Maddie, it's like because Maddie Healy had been in some hot water as of lately, people were being like, what does this mean about Taylor if she's okay with this man in hot water is what I'm getting from you. And so it's like, yeah. yeah, And so that conversation was something and like those op-eds like Genesis, Jara's article posed the question of like, are people mad at Taylor specifically because she's dating a man that they don't think she should date? Or are they mad at Taylor because this man who we don't think she should date is making us look at other past discretions that Taylor Swift has made that like her fans have kind of turned a blind eye to you because they're like oh well it global warming's not affecting us that much right now so who's it what's the matter if taylor's jet is like the most fuel deficient jet in all of the world <laughs> <laughs> like you know and so it's like what if we let slide up until now and i think that again like i feel like in a lot of ways, the 1975 fans are more warranted to being upset about the hate campaign that was like done against Maddie by people who like didn't really do that much research or like know him contextually than like Taylor fans who like there were so many op eds coming to Taylor's defense, but also like being critical of her. 
And there were absolutely no op-eds coming to Maddie's defense. Like there was no situation where anybody was willing to go to bat for him. If anything, there were like borderline defamatory articles coming out about him. And so it is an interesting situation in that regard when people are still being like, oh, like stop commenting on Taylor's relationships. And it's like, no, Taylor's relationship opened up a conversation that should have been had ages ago. Yeah, that's interesting. I do think if we think about relationships in the past where people have broken up and like, cause also again, we can only speculate on whether or not media pressure made anyone break up. Like we can never say for certain on any of those things, but it does feel like, again, this is making the biggest assumptions based on the actions we've seen of these people and what we know about them. I feel like if anything, if anything, it was too much for Maddie. If anything, Maddie couldn't take the heat. Maybe Taylor, started caring about her reputation. I don't know. We do have this interesting clip from Dumois. They said this person who messaged them had previously messaged them about other stuff and they ended up being right about the Taylor Maddie relationship. So they read out this message that says Taylor is in her zero fucks era. She truly does not care what you think of her, what her disappointed fans think of her, what her critics think of her. She is 1000% living by her own compass and her own decisions. And honestly, I feel like that's pretty true. I feel like that's pretty true of like, The way that Taylor has continued to say nothing, the way that Maddie has been acting kind of weird on stage. I mean, the white feminism really jumps out and like that's really on brand of just her being like, I don't fucking care what other people think. Like my relationship ended. It seems like it didn't end very positively towards like towards the real end of things Um, that things kind of went sour between her and Joe. And there were so many comments on those Demois videos of people being like, oh, like, we like we support taylor like she can do whatever she wants like we love this era for her whatever and it's like it's just all that for what like all yeah (laughs) all of that we're clowns we're if she truly does not give a fuck we're the clowns but also i guess it's the same thing that we talked about last week and just like how people again can like learn from the negative response to like taylor's behavior and like how to be properly politically active and like all of these things and like what people expect from celebrities now that we're in this like fascist hellscape in America. And like, again, as I've said a million times, like blind items are blind items, sources are sources, like what like you can only believe as much as you're willing to believe. But if Demois is saying like, this is a trusted source who's like, information has checked out in the past. So like if a trusted source is saying this, it's like Taylor not caring says a lot. And I don't like what it Mm. says. And it doesn't sit well. And I feel like it's something that like we all need to like sit with and think about just in regards to all of this, because this is like a bigger conversation. Because again, like while I think that this Taylor and Maddie chapter is over for the media and for us, and I think that unless Taylor really does something big in the next like couple months, like we won't really be talking about her much more on the podcast. Like I think just in general for conversations between us and our dms and conversations between you guys and your friends like having the discussion of like what are my expectations for celebrities now that like the world is going to shit and people i people should be using their platforms 
Like, how does it's, that My feel? expectation is that Sean Mendes is putting out a song about how he's upset and sad <laughs> that New York City is filled with smoke from Canada fires. No, no. I honestly feel like you've brought up a lot of really good points. I think I do agree that this whole scenario is making us think very deeply about what we expect out of celebrities, yeah. what we get to weigh in or not about celebrities, how fan culture is having a conversation and the media is having a conversation, how this is shifting. I do think this is making us think very deeply about all of these dynamics and i would be very interested to hear what you guys think about this too yeah so if you guys do have thoughts about this stuff please come and slide in our dms on social media we are at name three songs on all platforms as per usual we love to discuss with you if you have any personal beef or love you would like to give either of us one-on-one i'm at sarah underscore fagan on all platforms and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs and until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite remember you're never too cool to listen to louis tomlinson don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit namethroughsongs.com step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply